It's good to be here and uh, glad to be here. A couple of things is happening. One is uh, on and off. I've taught Hebrew over the years and other bar bat mitzvah training. And sometimes with adults, they want the training, not necessarily to have a bar bat mitzvah, but they want to dig in and study. So I do have online classes. And so if you are interested in any kind of online live video teaching, please feel free to, uh, to contact me at rabbironspeaks.com and uh, find out more about it for either the Hebrew or other classes. The other thing that I'm doing, uh, I've been teaching uh, at different places for the last couple of months or so now about the treasures of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, God selected Jerusalem out of all the places on earth. Tampa's pretty nice, but when he comes back, he ain't stepping here his feet first. I mean, I'm sure once he recalls how pretty it is, he'll put it on his agenda to come here and take a visit here. But this is not the place he's coming back to first. It's Jerusalem. And uh, it, it, he chose it to be his eternal home, his resting place forever. Now, how many of you have had the opportunity to go there yet? And so a handful, good. But not everybody has, and um, as, as great as it is, all sorts of circumstances, the cost, the time, et cetera, 20 or so hours on plane, that's not pretty. And so you've got to survive that to, to have an encounter with the Lord. And so I tell people, hey, you know, going there is best, but if you can't, bring me to share the treasures of Jerusalem and encourage. And when I was sharing this with my college roommate of, uh, in this summer, he told me I needed to do this. So what is this? The wall. And, he, you know, and, and when I taught on the treasures of Jerusalem, this is what I got the most questions about. Questions, comments throughout it over and over again about the wall. And so Bill, my college roommate, said, I need to make a little model of the wall. Now, I'm not Terry Rodriguez, I, uh, but somehow uh, God has given me a gift with cardboard boxes. He's the man that does things right, uh, and I'm the guy that can make something out of a cardboard box. And this is my third or fourth project out of a cardboard box the last few years. And my college roommate Bill told me, you need to make a little model of the wall. And so at 3, 4 in the morning, I had coffee one night about 7 o'clock at night because of a headache. And so 3, 4 in the morning, I couldn't fall back to sleep. And so the Lord started speaking to me and said, go to the garage. We have some boxes. And here was a box from a, a computer. Perfect. And, and cut a hole because Bill said, what you want people to do, going to the wall is best, obviously. People go there to pray, to connect with the Lord. But when we go there, what do people do? They, they take a prayer, write it on paper. And then they come to the wall and they place it in the cracks in between the stones. And so Bill told me that I need to make a wall so, and have a hole so that people can come and place their prayer requests in the wall. And I've done this now four times since I, I made the wall. And, uh, and it's like almost everybody is excited and comes forward to do it. So one, if you know any Bible studies or anything where people would have an interest in Jerusalem, uh, talk to them about me contact me uh, about coming and doing a presentation. And as well, if you do want to add another prayer request, the ones that were collected will go to the office and on the website. 
Uh, but I've told people, you put a prayer request in here. When prayer requests go on the Jerusalem wall, the rabbi and those there ministering, they don't read the requests. But they pray for them all the time. So I've told people at these four different places that what I will do is I will commit for seven nights, I will lay hands on these just requests and say, God, these are your children. And, and, and Solomon prayed that when people pray towards this wall that you would hear an answer. And so, God, I'm just standing in agreement when you hear and answer these prayers that are here. And uh, so that's what I've been doing. And so if anyone wants, this will be up here, and you feel free to add another prayer request. And, and place it in the wall. Get your body involved. And just like you were there, place the request in the wall. And I'll lift them up for the next week every day as well. And so that's something I'm doing. And I, it's something that I really want to see God open more, more doors for this. And so pray for me, the Lord connects me with people to do this. So that's something I'm doing. Tonight, during praise and worship, we, we declared Yeshua is Lord. And, and one of the things during this feast coming up, Yom Teruah, uh, coming up soon, is the shofar is blasted to announce and welcome a king. And not just any king, but in the future, the king, the king of kings. But when you read the scriptures, you see several different reasons in which the shofar is blown. And this teaching is confused or accused. And I read this quote that if we don't confuse someone, we might get accused. And uh, so I thought it was interesting. And here we see uh, in a Jewish writing, Rabbi Isaac said, if the shofar is not sounding at the beginning of the new year, evil will befall at the end of it. Why so? Because the accuser referring to Satan has not been confused. He's telling us that, hey, if we don't blow that horn, we need to blow it and confuse Satan because if we don't confuse him, he's going to bring accusations against us. And I stopped and thought about it and, and saw, gee, that's what the scripture, the scriptures talk about in multiple places Satan is the accuser. Here, looking at Revelation's end times, I heard a voice in heaven say, Now has come salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. So on the end of that's good news. He's going down. All right? His day will come, he is going down. But until that day, one of the things that he is doing is he's bringing accusations against every one of us here. In this room, watching on the internet, he spends time day and night. I mean, does he have to sleep? I don't know. I've never studied uh, spiritual beings, but we got to sleep. But this guy, I don't know what happens. He drinks coffee day and night. What he does... Day and night, he's there going, God, come on. Why are you wasting your time forgiving Ron Goldberg again? Hasn't he asked for forgiveness for that thing hundreds of times? He keeps saying he's sorry, but look, tomorrow he goes out and does it all over again. Don't waste your time. He doesn't deserve it. This is what he does. And Revelation end times, Zechariah the past, he showed me Joshua, who? The high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and who was there? Satan, standing there at his right hand to accuse him. 
right there in the presence of God again. He's accusing a high priest. Now, we wear little yarmulkes, kippahs on our head, and one of the reasons is it reminds us of the hat that Joshua used to wear. But Joshua's little kippah was a little bigger, and it had some words on it. Kadosh Ladonai. What does that say? Holy unto the Lord. Now, I've got a handful of baseball hats in my closet, but none of them say holy to the Lord. I'm not getting one that says that. It's a great aspiration, prayer, and hope. Uh, but I, I, that's not me. And the high priest, holy unto the Lord, that's his calling. He is separate. He has a unique holy. He's called to another purpose, to minister on our behalf before the Lord. And Satan's going there to God and saying, listen, not only Ron Goldberg messes it up, but the high priest who actually wears a hat day and night, holy to the Lord, that guy doesn't even deserve your forgiveness. If the high priest can be brought accusations against men, he's probably got plenty to bring against me. And, and you know, so the high priest, he's bringing accusations. And then, who's this guy got the sores all over his body in the Hebrew Scriptures? Who is this? Job. In chapter 1, there, the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in all the earth. Blameless and upright man, fearing God, turning away from evil. And so Satan answered the Lord, come on, does Job not fear you for nothing? Haven't you made a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands and, you know, and his possessions and you, you've increased. But if you, God, if you would just put your hand now and touch all he has... Man, he'll just curse you to your face, and that's it. Of course he's blessing you and thanking you. Look what you've done for him. But if you didn't bless him so much, you see how quickly he'd turn and curse you like everybody else. He's there, Satan. You read the Scriptures. One of the things he does is he brings accusations against us. So... Number one point, Satan brings accusations against us too. And so therefore, what did Rabbi Isaac said? We need to confuse Satan. We need to blow the horn to confuse him. And so one of the examples in Scripture, judges, Midianites, Amalekites, sons of the east, they gathered together, crossed over, camped in the valley of Jezreel, and then in chapter 7, Gideon at first had 32,000 soldiers ready to fight in battle. God sends home most of them, leaves them with just 300, right? And then, verses 20 to 22 in chapter 7, when the three companies blew the shofar, broke their pitchers, held torches in their left hand, shofar in the right for blowing, and cried, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran, crying out as they fled. When they blew the 300 shofar on, and, and the Lord, then what did he do? He set the sword of one against the other, even throughout the whole army, and then the army fled. Where, where's their guns? Where's the slingshots? You know, what, there's no weapon. Israel... 
They forgot their swords. They forgot their pistols. They're miss the only thing they got is a sword and a torch and their mouth for shouting. That's how guards sent them to battle with a big mouth and a sword. I mean, a shofar, a big mouth and a shofar. I mean, how many of you are signing up for that battle in that army? That's all they got. They got this massive army coming against them, and God says, all you need to take is your mouth and a shofar. That's it. And when the Lord did that, he, he messed with them people's heads. They couldn't think straight. Shouting and shofars taking place. They didn't know what was going on, and they just start killing each other, and then they just took off running. This is one battle plan of the Lord. It's not the only, but it is one. The shofar and shouting. That's teruah. Teruah doesn't mean trumpet blast from what I can tell. It talks about it can be a, a, a shouting. It can be a, a, a blast of a horn for battle or for joy. And so this is what teruah is about. What's happening right there. Teruah. And then as well in Genesis... The Lord said, people there came and they gathered together, let's build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches up to the heavens so we can make a name for ourselves and say, look at us, everybody else. See, we're up here in the heavens. We're right here beside God. We're just like God. Hey, and you, well, you're just down there on earth below our feet. We'll make a name for ourselves. And so with a tower that reaches to the heaven to make a name for ourselves, otherwise we'll be scattered over the face of the earth but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the people were building. And the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing that they plan to do will be impossible. So come, let us go down and do what? Confuse their language so they can't understand one another. We don't see any mention of the shofar, but we see the battle plan is confusion. Bring the people into a state of confusion where they can't communicate, they cannot think straight, and if we can confuse them, they will not be capable of accomplishing anything. Confusion is a battle plan of the enemy. And then here are several scriptures. None of them mention the shofar, but each and every one of them listed up there on the screen the Lord went and said, sent confusion into the camp of the enemy to defeat them. And so, point number two, confusion is one of the ways that the enemy uses, the Lord uses, excuse me, to defeat. Well, the enemy could too. It is a battle plan. If you can bring confusion to people, you can stop them from accomplishing their tasks and going forward. Now, here we have Yom Teruah. Rabbi Isaac said we need to blow the horn to bring Satan into confusion so he can't attack us. Now, we've got yearly calendar. Remember, it's the seventh month, not the first in God's calendar. Seventh month, day one, Yom Teruah. Then 10 days later, Yom Kippur. So we come together here and, and we blow the horn, put the enemy in confusion. But then... It's 10 days before Yom Kippur. I'm like, God, why are you waiting so long? Do you, you know how many times we're all going to sin between now and then? 
I mean, blow the horn, confuse the enemy, and then before we got a chance to walk out those doors, atone, cleanse us, forgive us before we get ourselves in more trouble. But the Lord decides to wait 10 days. And so this year in particular, I've already taught this a few times in different places. It's just making me think the Lord may want us to take 10 days and, and, and to seek him. And the Jewish community said, these are the 10 days of war. This is a time, it looks like to me, in God's calendar where he's saying, take some time. And, and all, you know, hey, God, it, I, I'm not going to get rid of everything. It'd be nice, but... Maybe are there one or two things you'd like to finally help me get rid of out of my life, some sins once and for all, and to spend some time to focus and devote our energy and our attention to one or two things tangible to work on right now. And so Lord gives us some time. Now I'm thinking if we're spending, so we have this time built into God's calendar. Satan's not omniscient. He's not all-knowing, but he's been watching things for a long time. So that means he knows this calendar. He knows that during these 10 days that people of God are going to be spending this time saying, all right, God, help work in my life and get rid of some stuff. And so it hit me if, if he's noticed that and he's spending day and night bringing accusations against us in the first place, he's probably working overtime during these 10 days. Here's these 10 days where we're really saying, God, help work in my life. So he's saying he better invest extra energy, extra attempt to stop this from happening. And so we need to work overtime and to confuse enemy, to engage in battle, spiritual battle, and deal with this. Now, here Teruah, shouting and the shofar. So here we are, the people of God engaged in Teruah, shouting and blowing the shofar. Satan's not omniscient. He's not all-knowing. He doesn't know. When he hears the shofar, I imagine he don't like that sound because he knows what it's about. He's observed, and it's very clear in his mind. Now, he hears shofar and shouting. He doesn't know whether it's people going to temple for the holidays and the appointed times of the Lord or is it the beginning of the end for him? He doesn't know, is it someone here, is it Augie blowing the horn to start a worship service? Or is this the angels blowing the horn and shouting, announcing Yeshua's come, which means it's the beginning of the end for Satan, and eventually he winds up in that eternal lake of fire. He hears that horn, he's not happy. It's hitting home here. And so I want to encourage us and remind us, Satan spends time to bring accusations. And the sad, he's also the father of lies, but he doesn't have to lie too much when it comes to bringing accusations. Sadly, we give him plenty of legitimate things to accuse us of. We do. So he don't even have to lie about that. He's got plenty of ammunition to attack us with. And so, therefore, as we're seeking the Lord all the time, but especially during these 10 days of awe, we need to combat the enemy. And one of the ways to combat the enemy is teruah, shouting and the shofar to confuse him, to send him running like the Amalekites and all them others.
so that no more accusations are brought against us because there is a time for battle in the life of the people of God. And so let me just pray for us. Lord, sadly, we still sin. And there are legitimate accusations made against us. But thank you that Yeshua already went to Calvary. And he took care of all that. But Lord, we don't just sit back and just count on that and thank you for that. You still are coming back for a bride that's without spot or wrinkle. You still desire us desire for us to put away sin and to move forward free from sin, to become more like Yeshua each and every day of our life. And so, Lord, you give us this time. Every day we should, but even here, you put 10 days in the calendar every year, hoping that we'll spend a little extra time, focus a little more attention in dealing with sin, in pursuing your washing and cleansing in our lives. And so, Father, help us during this season not to try to get rid of it all in one sweep, but, Lord, to just be attentive and say, God, might there be one or two things to focus on right now to rid ourselves of once and for all so we can be a little bit more like Yeshua. And help us, Lord, to remember that you've given us teruah, shouting and the shofar to confuse the enemy, to defeat the enemy. And so help us to understand how to fully engage in battle. And we just thank you for the teachings in the scripture to help us. So have your way every day, and especially during these days coming here, the 10 days of awe. We thank you for this gift, this opportunity. In the name of Yeshua, amen.